This Sunday marks our second Sunday in Advent, and from ancient times, Christians have anticipated the celebration of Christmas with Advent, this season of hope and expectation. Advent's a time, like we said last week, a time for remembering and preparing, for walking in the old time steps of past and keeping the fire burning as we look forward. And year after year during this season, we set aside time to remember and anticipate our King, to be filled with hope and joy and the wonder of God becoming one of us. And each week we light a candle, right, representing the hope, joy, peace, and love we have with Christ in the middle on Christmas. And this Sunday, we have lit the candle of peace, representing the peace we have with God through Jesus Christ. And over these weeks leading to Christmas, we'll read about the coming of Jesus, we celebrate his coming, and now we as Christians are waiting for his return. So leading up, we're going to read about everything from prophecies and their fulfillments to shepherds, angels, to the birth of our Savior, not just remembering that he came, but why he came, to bring hope, peace, joy, and love. And so today, that's what we do. We come to worship the living Savior, to fill the songs with air, and then as we leave here, to continue our worship with our lives. This, friends, is the heart of Advent, that our Lord Jesus has come to be with us and has brought us peace. Now today, our text comes to us from Isaiah. The prophet is going to utter this promise from God. It's a promise that is fully fulfilled in the birth of Jesus, It was a promise or a prophecy that was made to a king who wouldn't have it, and a few hundred years later was made to a young woman who responded simply to the promise or the prophecy, let it be as the Lord has said. So I'd invite you now to pull out your Bibles and make your way to Isaiah chapter 7. Now the Messianic prophecy that we're looking at today comes to us in verse 14. Messianic prophecy again, meaning just a prophecy about the coming Messiah. Yes, I know I used the words I was defining in its definition, and that's horrible, but basically this is telling us about Jesus. But before we get to verse 14, let's read about what was going on prior to the prophecy, because while it's a little obscure, there are some really powerful messages for our lives in our text today, all about listening to God. So this is chapter 7, verses 1 through 2, and I'm going to take us all the way down to 14. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the winds. Now it's important to remember that in verse 1 here, we get the start of a story of a battle followed by the end result of the battle. You see there, they march up, but they could not overpower it. And then verse 2 picks up with the events that happen before the battle, before Ahaz makes his decision to go and fight. So what we have here in Isaiah is a glimpse of a story, this additional scene, that actually is telling us what historically took place in 2 Kings chapter 16. Basically, our text here is telling us the end result of what happens before the prophet gives the prophecy to King Ahaz. This disregard for chronological order is very frustrating (laughs) to me as I'm trying to put it together, and probably to you as well, but it's completely natural to the ancient Hebrew mind in the way that they used to write back then. So I'm going to do my best here to fill in some gaps. Ahaz, king of Judah, hears that the northern kingdom Israel, remember the two kingdoms split, 
and they don't get along. And while Judah is the kingdom, of course, that the line of Jesus comes from, that doesn't mean they're the best one. Jesus loves them both. Actually, Jesus loves us all, right? But I didn't want you thinking one was bad, one was good. In the end, they're all bad because they have wicked kings and they forsake God. But I'm digressing now. Let me get back to the point at hand. The northern kingdom makes an alliance with Aram or Syria, and they've united to destroy Judah. And so the king of Judah, Ahaz, is very scared. Now here's a little background on Ahaz. He was wicked. He sacrificed his own son to Melech. He worshipped other gods. He was a coward, he was superstitious, and he was hypocritical. He was one of the worst kings that Judah ever had. So as the combined forces of Israel and Syria are approaching Jerusalem or Judah, the city of Jerusalem, it looks, friends, like everything is going to be lost. And so this prophecy comes and Ahaz is going to be challenged to trust God when things look very bad and when things look like all would be lost. But as we're told, they could not overpower. How was Ahaz saved from this attack? Not by listening to God, not by doing what he said. Instead, King Ahaz here enters into this unholy alliance with the king of Assyria, gives the silver and gold from the holy temple of God to buy a partnership and create a temporary fix over the promised deliverance and blessing that God is going to give. Friends, we are about to read a story about God coming to King Ahaz and telling him to not be afraid and to trust in him. And King Ahaz is going to straight up not listen to God. Instead, he is going to go and turn to the strongest force out there, regardless of how evil and cruel they are, and pay them to protect because he had no faith in God. Now, perhaps you hear that and your first reaction is, dude, that man Ahaz is dumb. Who would do that? Who, when God speaks, wouldn't listen? That was mine until I said it out loud. Who would look for help and strength in other places? Who would hear the word of God and then go and do something else? Who would trust or say, I trust in God, but just in case, if it looks like God isn't on my timetable, I'm going to take matters into my own hand and ensure that I have a fail-safe. How hard it is to trust in God when everything around us looks so hard, so bigger than us. And how easy it is to turn to something else. How hard is it to trust in God when we feel so capable of doing everything without him? Ahaz didn't want anything to do with God. His heart didn't want to listen or care about what God said. He thought he did not need him. He believed it is easier to ignore God than to learn to listen and surrender to God. I will be honest with you, it's hard to prepare a place for him. Is it not easier to say, I'm sorry, there's no room, God, no room in this heart for trusting and listening because you know what, I got this. I think I can take care of myself. While the earth and its ways are trying its best to satisfy our hearts and blind us from that God who stands there before us promising exactly what we need. How easy it is to turn to something else. Constantly being overwhelmed out of fear 
and noise and the temptation of self-sufficiency. So how does one surrender the desires of their heart? How does one seek God first? How does one be still and listen in the face of your fears and worries? And believe me when I say that fears and worries are not just nations that are coming to conquer you or destroy you. Fears can be as simple as, how am I going to afford these presents this year? How am I going to manage all this? How am I going to find work? How am I going to stop feeling like, what did the text say? Feeling shaken like a tree being blown by the Santa Ana winds. And you want me to just sit and listen for God? Advent is the call to sit and listen. Advent is what happens in the face of impending doom and there is no hope left. When we do not seek God in prayer and his word, it becomes very difficult to trust him, does it not? If you do not listen for his voice, how can you trust him? Isaiah will say later that in quietness and repentance is our strength. In the God who comes to be with us, we are found. We have a God who promises to create new hearts, who gives right spirits, who restores us, who takes the barren wasteland and by grace springs up a garden here in our hearts. We come to worship to receive the things of God, not the things of man. We yelled, it is well with my soul because we come to worship and give praise and call upon God to give what he can give. We come to be fed by God, to have our thirst satisfied by God. For God to take what is dead and make it alive. And God does not hide himself from you, but comes to you. This is the heart of Advent, that God has come for you in his son Jesus. We worship to be filled so that our heart can be filled. The text goes on to say, Lord said to Isaiah, go out and your son, Shear Jehushbab, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. These are real people in real places, but look at what's said. Don't miss this. Be careful. The temptation is strong to not trust in the face of your fears and to seek out something else. God says, listen and steal your heart and have courage. And I love this. He calls those gigantic armies, entire nations bent on destroying them who outnumber the city, the, the nation of Judah, who are far greater and stronger than them, calls them two smoldering stubs. Two things that are a lot of smoke and look like they're full of power and fire, but all they are is smoke. And you better believe that God sees the fears of your lives for what they are. The things that we are afraid of. He sees them as just smoke and no fire. Because we too are real people in real places. What fears do you have? What roaring fires stand before you? Because to God they are just smoke, just stubs. 
It's why the Christmas songs cry out, the weary world rejoices because angels and shepherds saw, saw that God, God himself, chose to stand with us, to call us friend, that here in the manger, faith becomes sight, becomes reality, and we find peace with God. I read this text and I want to do something right now. I want to do what Ahaz should have done and did not, what we sang about. I want to take a moment and acknowledge the fears that we have, the things that are stopping us from trusting God. And I want us to listen to his promises and go to him in prayer. So will you do that with me? Will you close your eyes right now? And I don't know what it is. It's different for you than it is for me. But whatever it is that you are afraid of right now. And we're going to lay this at the feet of Jesus. I'll pray for us. Lord, in the, in the name, in your name, in the authority that comes with it of Jesus Christ. Lord, these fears that are before our eyes, I ask you, Lord, to demolish every stronghold, every Goliath, every mind-oppressing spirit that seeks to keep us bound. We cry out that you are the giant slayer, that you make walls fall down like Jericho. I pray, Lord, that these fears that are in our minds would fail and be shattered, shattered by your great strength. I pray, Lord, that whatever is preventing us from trusting you would be removed. You are the God who removes fear. You tore through the curtain so that we could be one with you. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, and by his death, nothing separates us from your love. So, Lord, we give our fears to you. I pray that you would break them and replace them with your peace, with your hope. That you would steal our hearts with courage. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. The text says, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and son of Remaliah, Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah, sons of plotted your ruin, they don't stop. The fears don't stop. They say, let us invade. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and we'll make a new king over it. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus and the head of Damascus is only resin. 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. These fears are nothing. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all, he tells Ahaz. God promises Ahaz that these mighty nations will be no more, that they are nothing compared to him, to the living God who has chosen the people of Judah. Friends, why would we ever fear something that is temporary when our God is everlasting? Ahaz in fear turned to a temporary fix and gave up everything for just that moment of relief, gave up his future. Let it not be with us. If we do not stand firm in our faith, how can we stand at all? We stand on the rock, or we can stand on sand. 
but only one holds. Only one can hold. The Lord spoke to Ahaz. He said, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depth or in the highest height. And Ahaz said, I will not ask. I'll not put the Lord to the test. As the prophet Isaiah, God is inviting Ahaz to ask for a sign. God is challenging Ahaz to believe, to believe what he promises, that he can do what he has said and be blessed. Even saying that he'll give him a sign, but Ahaz says, I will not ask. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds very spiritual, right? Kind of like when Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The words may sound familiar, but Ahaz's heart is not there. He didn't ask God for a sign because if God fulfilled it, he would have had to believe. This wasn't tempting or testing God in a wrong way. When God calls us to do something, we do it. So Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? And here it comes. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is one of the most famous prophecies regarding the birth of Jesus, the Messiah in the Bible. And it illustrates this principle that sometimes there is a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. Near fulfillment because the scripture continues in Isaiah and God says, you realize that I'm going to destroy these nations before a young boy can even get to the age of knowing right from wrong. Far familiar fulfillment because it's even more than that. It goes beyond just a moment in time. But it goes on to pointing to Jesus for everlasting, the miraculous virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Because this Prophecy was made not just to Ahaz, is it, but to the entire house of David, to all of us. He is the God of the past, future, and the God with us now. Hear his name, Emmanuel. Ahaz wants nothing to do with a God who would be with him. But when God is with us, whom shall we fear? God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God has the situation completely in hand for whatever was before your eyes when you prayed. So will you be like Ahaz and reject the promises of God? Will you reject the promise that was given to Mary? Reject the witness of the shepherds? Will you just say, you know, it's a cute story. I like the part about getting gifts, but God with us, God coming as a baby, God coming down to live and die for me. My sins being forgiven on account of someone else? God rising from the dead? Will you reject or will you believe in the promises of God? We are those who believe in the promises of God, who turn our ears and our hearts to listen to Him. The Advent season calls us to listen and hear these promises. God is coming to be with us. God is now with us. God with us by the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Sacrament, the preaching of the Word. God with us in prayer. God with us through every single moment of every action of our life that we begin, continue, and end in His name. He is God with us to comfort, enlighten, protect, and defend us in every moment of temptation and trial, in the hour even of our death, in the day of judgment, we have God with us in Jesus Christ. God with us and us with Him now and for all eternity. God, who creates a new heart within us. 
God who has not left us alone to fend for ourselves, but chooses to dwell with us, to feed us, to clothe us, to give us peace. So that life can be all about chaos, but the promise remains. You realize, don't you, that God has not stopped doing what he did in the garden. From the very first sinners of Adam and Eve, he has not walked away from them, but stands next to them and stands next to us over and over again, inviting us to call and to listen. Let's bring the band back up. It's time to worship, friends. Over and over and over again, God remains faithful. Over and over again gives us sign after sign pointing us to Jesus in his presence. Whether that is the birth by a virgin, death and resurrection, or the calling of each one of us by name through the waters of baptism. We listen to the voice of our God because His message and His promises are of critical importance. We need His call, His voice, His hope, His salvation, His saving words. Friends, we listen and hear the promises of God. We are listening to be reminded of the grace and mercy we have. We listen, and he speaks words of love to each of us. For he is the God who is with you, who surrounds you, and brings peace, hope, joy, love, salvation, and the list goes on and on and on.